0: Coming up.
1: And that opened the door, allowing a sniper to get a pretty clear shot at one of the gunmen, but they missed and it shattered the glass window. And that's just when the firing started. For Vault Studios,
0: I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. On April 4th, 1991, 30 years ago, four armed men entered the Good Guys electronics store in South Sacramento sparking a more than eight-hour standoff.
1: we are looking at a live picture from the Good Guys store in South Sacramento. They've set off concussion grenades. They are making their move.
0: Bria Love, anchor and reporter with ABC10 in Sacramento. You recently reported a story for the 30th anniversary of the Good Guys hostage situation. Take us back to April of 1991. How does this whole horrific series of events start?
1: Absolutely, it was just a typical day there on April fourth. People were shopping at the electronic store, and four men would enter armed and take everyone in the store hostage. At the time, and from what I've talked to to survivors and former law enforcement, that the the demands that they made would be called bizarre. They were asking for a helicopter to take them back to Vietnam, which was their home country of the four men that came in. They were asking for guns, bulletproof vests, and a lot of money, which was something that just wasn't feasible for that time. So this would turn into an eight and a half hour ordeal where people got hurt, three people lost their lives, six people, including three of the gunmen, but we can go more into that as we go on here.
0: And this was the middle of the day too, so it was a pretty full electronic store. This is now known as one of the largest hostage rescue situations in United States history. Do you know how many hostages in total were taken by these four gunmen?
1: Right. So the numbers, you know, if you think about 30 years ago when I was talking to one of the former deputies at that time, it's been 30 years, so it's hard to remember the exact number, but it was definitely more than 40. I've heard reports of 41, 42, but that still remains the largest U.S. hostage rescue operation that our country has seen. So it's definitely something that's going to remain in history.
0: And what do we know about how these four guys were actually able to pull this off. Of course, they were armed, but 40 people or more, that, that's a lot of people to to kind of control. Do we know how they were able to keep all these people in this store and exert control for such a long time?
1: Right. I guess it, was just, it would just be through just fear tactics. What they did was they lined all the hostages so... Good guys had these big windows, like if you could think of like, you know, a a major department store or something that might have big glass windows in the front. Well, they lined all the hostages in front of the window and they were armed and were violent. They were threatening to kill. So, I mean, if you see someone standing in front of you with a gun and they are serious about shooting you and killing you, I think that's just what led people from maybe joining together and, and standing up against them. They were armed and they were violent.
0: And as this is playing out, it's drawing a ton of attention. Obviously, there's a ton of law enforcement on the scene and, and the media is at some point alerted. So TV stations are broadcasting what's going on live. And I know that you dug up some of ABC10's archival footage for the 30th anniversary of this event. And it's really remarkable Footage. What was it like to watch that back and see this play out in real time?
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty new to Sacramento. Um, and it's crazy that. In my short time here that I'm getting to cover something like this because I haven't seen anything like that, especially in my career. And I found out from my coworkers that we have some of the most clear, vivid video from that day, um, here at ABC 10. So watching that back, it just, I, I can see the fear, you know, cameras weren't super great 30 years ago now. I couldn't imagine like what the quality would look like if that were to happen today. But I could see how scary that was. There's one shot in particular where the men had allowed one of the hostages to come out and bring something to law enforcement, and that opened the door, allowing a sniper to get a pretty clear shot at one of the gunmen, but they missed and it shattered the glass window. And that's just when the firing started. And we have that on video. So just to watch that, I could... I could feel the terror. I will never understand what the survivors went through that day. I could just take what they told me, but you can see it in that video.
0: Right. And I think one of the most striking things about it is, as you mentioned, the store did have those big windows on the front. So in this old footage, you're actually, you're not just looking at the outside of a department store. You're actually able to see what's going on inside. You can see them lining the hostages up and making threats and waving weapons around and it really does give you a sense of the the fear and the chaos and and everything that was going on that day.
1: If you can, I recommend anybody just take a look at it just to see what they experienced and then talking to survivors and hearing them recount that day. Like I said, I cannot, I cannot and will not ever understand. I hope to never have to understand something like that, but it is, it is terrifying.
0: You mentioned one of the stranger details in all of this and, it's the demands that the hostage takers are making of course authorities are in touch with them throughout this trying to negotiate but it seems like one of the big challenges as this goes on for hours is that there's no clear demands it it sounds like they they kept changing their demands and and it wasn't clear what they wanted what their motive was and and what would bring an end to all this right
1: Right. And from what I've learned from my research and from talking to those who were there was just the the main one that just was impossible was a helicopter to Vietnam. You can't take a helicopter to Vietnam. So... Um, The former deputy I was talking to, he's like, it's just there's just no way that they were going to get that one. And that was the main one. They wanted to get back home to do what they wanted to do back at home. But they cannot take a helicopter. So they were trying to express that to them. And I think that's why it just it just wasn't going anywhere. They weren't going to get what they were asking for.
0: How then does this hostage situation ultimately come to an end?
1: The authorities were able to enter and they were able to shoot three of the gunmen. And it ended, I believe, I read 30 30 seconds after the gunfire began, it was over. So once they were able to enter the store, just as quickly, it was over. Be grateful for today because tomorrow is not promised. Neither is the next second from now.
0: You spoke with... One of the survivors of this event, a woman named Lisa Joseph, tell me about what she remembers from that day.
1: Lisa Joseph walked into the Good Guys electronics store that day with her uncle, Fernando Gutierrez, and her cousin. And she was five months pregnant at the time. And throughout the terror and the whole ordeal, she lost her baby, she had a five month miscarriage in the store that day. She also lost her uncle. He was one of the three hostages that died in this ordeal. So it was very traumatic for her. She said she felt like it was never ending. Shock, devastation, it was horrific. It was like it was like a nightmare that you can't come out of. And I'm just very grateful to be alive. And I'm grateful for every day that God gives me here on this earth. I asked her specifically, I said, just just give me a few words to describe what it was like to be in there. And she said, shock, horror, God fearing. She said she thought she was she thought she was going to die that day. Wow.
0: And and given all that she went through, not only that day, but I'm sure in the decades since, living with the memory of what happened and, and losing her uncle. One thing I was surprised and moved to hear her say is that she's made peace with the surviving gunman. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, I, she just said um, it's taken a lot of healing over these last 30 years, and she's gotten to do a lot of things. I'll kind of go through her healing process. She said she was able to tour um. She was taken around to tour different law enforcement agencies and help them craft the way they handle hostage situations now. She said that was kind of a way to tell her story, tell the truth about what happened, tell it from her perspective, and then work with law enforcement on how they handle something like this if it were to happen again. And she also said in her victim impact statement at the sentencing for the lone gunman who survived that she forgives him. And she says she honestly does forgive him. I've made peace with uh, the surviving gunman, and I've personally told him in a closing impact statement that I forgive him.
0: You mentioned that sentencing. I, I assume that he is still behind bars to this day?
1: Yes. He, I believe it was 49 consecutive life sentences. So he will be in jail for the rest of his life.
0: Have we learned much else about those four gunmen, who they were and, and what could have possibly motivated them to do this?
1: So from my research, they were four young men, I believe all teenagers, from Vietnam um, who weren't having a great experience in the United States, um, and they wanted to get back home. This just was not the place they felt like they didn't have the resources. Lisa had mentioned education was a big issue in their lives. And she's learned a lot about that. And she's seen things from their perspective. What they did was completely wrong, but she sees that they were going through a hardship and that they thought this was the way that they could get home and get the notoriety and demands that they wanted.
0: You also spoke with former Sacramento County Sheriff John McGinnis, who, as I understand it, was outside the building that day as a deputy at the time.
1: Yes. Um, John McGinnis told me just kind of what it was like and how fluid and ever-changing of a situation was. It was very long. He says at points they were outside of the store, to the side of the store, on the roof. They had to keep changing locations until they could finally enter and end the hostage crisis. So This went on for such a long period of time. And of course, uh, the responsibilities during the course of the afternoon changed from uh, being on the roof, to being outside the place, being at the front door when the, uh, the the gunfire erupted. But one thing he talked about, I asked Lisa kind of how she coped and how she healed over the last 30 years, and she explained her side of things. But coming from law enforcement, John McGinnis said he, of course, will always remember the situation. It's historical. It will always be a part of the U.S.'s and Sacramento's history. But this is the job he signed up for. And he knew this was something that he could possibly have to deal with. He just says that he's so grateful and amazed, really, that more people didn't get hurt in this situation. Unfortunately, three of the hostages' lives were taken. But from the law enforcement perspective, the SWAT team, everybody survived, which he says is something that— definitely couldn't have went that way. So just for everybody to be that brave and run towards the situation and survive in this, he's just very grateful and thankful that he got to work with those brave men and women. From just a mathematic perspective, the likelihood of, especially the SWAT team members, Uh, Not all surviving that incident was very real, but they did it nonetheless.
0: Well, your coverage of this story and some of that archival footage we mentioned is available on ABC10's website at abc10.com. For anyone who wants to go check it out, real love with ABC10. Thanks for sharing the story with us.
1: Thanks.
0: And thanks, as always, to you for joining us on another episode of The Daily Crime. If you're interested in hearing more from Lisa Joseph, the Good Guys Crisis survivor who shared her story with Bria Love, she recently released an audio book called Heads or Tails, all about what happened that day from her perspective. And if you're looking for more true crime, just type in Vault Studios on the search bar of your podcast app, and you can find some of our other shows, including True Crime Chronicles, The Officer's Wife, and Bardstown. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond.